0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the FBCC Chapel podcast. The Bible says in Psalms how God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so it is our prayer that as you listen, you be refreshed, challenged, and encouraged to be a servant for the master. And now for today's chapel message.
1: We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter number three. Um, We'll be there in just a moment. But I've entitled my message this morning, you only have one. You only have one. And it's kind of been something that's been uh, on my own heart uh, lately. And and simply, uh, I just want this morning to be a reminder for us on how we only have one life to live. And and this is one of those truths I think we often hear so much. And, And yet, if this reality were something That we truly understood that life is truly short, that God only gives us one to live, and we took time to consider it, I I guarantee you that all of us would live our lives a little differently. And and it's funny how uh, a little circumstance uh, this past week, kind of, uh, you know, God working in my life. And, and as you get older, and Pastor Wall can maybe attest to it, not that he's old, but he, he's just wiser than all of us. But there's times in life where, where something happens, someone says something, or, or there's a, a big moment or a small one, and it makes you say, wow, this makes me feel old. And, and this past week, uh, Eliana takes piano lessons, and her teacher said, oh, I want Eliana to, uh, to be part of a festival, play a piece in a music festival there in Oshawa, and, and my mind's like, wow, I can remember when I was seven years old, and I played at my first piano festival, my dad took me to Oshawa, and I, I won first place out of 12 people, I beat out 11 other Chinese students, and so it was uh, probably the greatest accomplishment of, of my life, and, uh, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I didn't, I didn't really remember or, or, or look back on that memory until Justine said, oh yeah, Cheryl Graham wants Eliane at the in festival. And it was one of those moments where I thought to myself, wow, I'm getting old. And, and, and God kind of used that, and I've already been studying some things uh, in the Word of God. That brought me to this. If you've ever driven through the prairies before, especially through Saskatchewan, uh, you're going to notice very quickly that one of, uh, one of those highways, Highway 1, it's on the Trans-Canada Highway, you're going to notice that everything, and I mean everything, looks exactly the same. When I was in college, I got to travel for six weeks. Uh, Pastor fall was one of our chaperones. I don't think he traveled with us through here, but we got to travel through Saskatchewan and through the prairies. Anyone ever driven through Saskatchewan before? The only thing I saw for hours on end were wheat fields, oil drilling rigs, and an occasional gas station. Kilometer after kilometer, the same thing, over and over again. Don't get me wrong, it's beautiful in its own way, but for a city boy, I was born in Los Angeles, I've lived in the GTA for most of my life, it was one of the most boring drives I've ever been on in life. And our driver just put that puppy in cruise control and off we went for hours on end and would wake up every now and then to eat you know sometimes we go through life kind of like that we kind of put things in cruise control you know if you're a senior i remember what it was like to be senior you're like i remember when i took my last greek exam i was so morbid i asked my teacher if i get a zero am i going to pass the class he said no sam don't have that mentality answer the question, and well, technic- technically, yes, he will. And so, all right, that's it, and I, I, I didn't study as much as I should, and so I know what it's like to have senior, uh, senioritis. I know what it's like to put life in cruise control. You go through the same routines, and at this point of your life, you're going through a semester of college, you're going through class after class, you've maybe served in a ministry for maybe a few years now, and if you're not careful, you can put your life in cruise control and just allow yourself to coast along life without ever accomplishing much. And what that leads to is we become very nonchalant church members, we become very careless about our responsibilities and ministries, and we end up becoming content with just giving God just barely enough. And we quickly forget that we only have one shot at this thing that we call life. We only live this day one time. We only get to spend this time once. And I think for many of us in the auditorium this morning, we need this reminder of this truth so that we can get serious about our lives. Because I'm sure that if some of you, and if I were honest with myself this morning, that sadly we would have to admit that a lot of us are cruising on this Christian journey, rather than selling ourselves out for the Lord. You only have one. And so what impact will your life have in this world? What impact will your life ultimately have on eternity? This morning I'm gonna do something a little bit different and I wanna spend really the first part or the first half of the message kind of building a theology of what life is and what God says about our lives. And then at the end, we're going to be there in 2 Timothy chapter number three, and we're going to look at an example and a testimony of the Apostle Paul and what were his last kind of words, his last encouragement to Timothy as his life was coming to a close. You know, call students, there are no do-overs when it comes to life. This isn't a game in which you can restart and, and learn from your mistakes in the next life. No, this is, this is real. And God has stewarded and entrusted you with one life. And so my question as we start this morning is, what will you do with it? An author said this concerning life, and, and this author kind of, he, he spent a, a lot of his early young adult years kind of partying and, and living away from God, but he came back to God and, and he came to this conclusion. He said this, I've tested the warnings of God and found them to be true. Now I'm trusting his promises. And he says to trust the promises of God is to live life as it's meant to be lived. And our desire through this college ministry, through our church, is to help guide you and to get you on a path where you don't have to test the warnings Of God, but instead learn to live the faith way of life. That in everything in life you are trusting in God and that you're embarking on this adventure with a purpose. And so as we look at a theology of life, I want you to understand first of all that life has a purpose. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 10, it gives me and it gives us one of the most encouraging passages in scriptures. And one of the truths of scriptures that you as a child of God should always be thankful for is that your life has a purpose. In in Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship. We are his, his work of art, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And here's the part that humbles me. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I don't know if you've ever been on a trip or vacation and Dad didn't plan the trip out very well, and you just he's like, let's just get in the car and go, and we'll see where God takes us. And you know, it's kind of like, where are we going to eat? You know, where are we going to stay? You know, you end up staying at Motel 8 or something like that. I, I'm incredibly thankful that God has before ordained my steps. He has a purpose for my life. That he's not just saying, okay, well, let's see what happens next. And this is a concise but reassuring verse that in the hands of an almighty God, we are molded, we are formed into his work of art, his masterpiece. And so your life has purpose. And and just think about how the creator God loves us and values us so much that for each of our lives individually, that he doesn't just paint us with one broad stroke, but for our lives individually, he has a purpose and a plan. And through our strengths and through our weaknesses, through our backgrounds and our upbringings, through, through the things that we go through, our, our victories and our defeats, God is able for your life to bring those things together so that his purpose is accomplished in you and through you. I don't know if you've ever done construction before, but if you have, there are times where you know that you should probably get a certain tool for a job that you have, but instead you use what's closest to you. And there's times when I was roofing and I forgot my hammer in my loop, and instead of using the hammer, I used the back of the nail gun. Don't, don't ever do that. It's not smart. Or use, a, you know, be in the house and instead of getting the hammer, use a side of a wrench. And you're just kind of awkwardly trying to hammer that nail in. It might get the job done, but it's going to look messy. You might strip a screw. And our lives are built for God's purpose. God is the one that determines that for us. And college students, I pray that you always live a life that is fulfilling God's purpose. And and you are constantly being bombarded through social media and other outlets that you could spend your life doing something else, that you could find some measure of happiness somewhere else, that Satan would love for you to believe that your life is not going to be fulfilled if you use it to serve the Lord. And yet here's what one author wrote about this present generation. He said, we've pursued happiness and found ourselves sadder than any generation that has ever lived. And that is an encapsulation of our world today. We have more conveniences than any other generation in the world, and yet we are the most sad, depressed generation that has ever lived. And so young people, learn to tune out all the noise and live for God and his purposes. Don't be like many college students who've sat where you've sat in years past and learnt this truth the hard way. You know, some people say they like to learn through experience. And yes, experience is a teacher, but it's a hard teacher. And one of the main lessons you're gonna learn through experiencing the world is regret and scars. The best life you will ever live is a life live for the Lord. We don't tell you that and encourage you with that for selfish purposes. We say that out of a heart of warning and love. There's a song we sometimes sing in church. It's wonderful to be a Christian. And that first verse says, Life has purpose now it never had before. There's meaning to each day and even more. Life has purpose. That's the first thing I want to look at in the theology of life. But, but secondly, I also want you to understand that life is brief. In James chapter 4, verse 14 You can turn there if you like. It says, whereas he know not what shall be on the morrow. And so don't say I'm going to study for my test tomorrow. Because that might might not happen. But then it says this, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And, And James here begins by addressing the uncertainty of the future. And he reminds us that we really do lack the knowledge to predict what tomorrow holds. Yes, we we plan things, and I I think that's wise. But he says, ultimately, we we don't really know. And he uses this imagery of life where he says that life is a vapor. That's a a powerful image. It's this mist that appears briefly and eventually dissipates. It, It disappears. And this metaphor that James is using for us is to remind us of the brevity but also the fragility of our earthly existence. Our lives are are temporary and the moments that we experience are fleeting and this truth should, should really prompt us, should prompt you to consider the significance of each day that you live. Life is short. You know, it, it was interesting, in the funeral, I, I believe he was buried next to Joel, if I was correct. And, and two very different lives, but lived for the same purpose. And God had a purpose for, for each of their lives. God saw fit to take Joel Michelle home early on in life. I'm not exactly sure the age, maybe in his 30s, maybe a little, little bit before then. And then we have on the other spectrum is Grandfather Bert Michelle, at his age, 94. And, and it just reminds us that life is short. We don't know when it, when it will end. And it's brief. And so with our lives, learn to seek God's will. Don't, don't say what, what Satan wants you to believe, that you can push off serving God till a later date. Don't say as a, as a freshman or, or a sophomore, I will wait till a senior to get serious serving God. Don't say, as a senior, I'm going to wait a few more years after I've graduated to really get plugged into ministry. Life is brief. Life is short. But also, and lastly, life is recorded as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse number 10, it says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And, and God is going to look at our lives and see how we spend our time, whether it's good or for bad. And this verse really speaks about the fundamental aspect of our Christian faith. And that is a accountability before Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, or sometimes it's alluded to the Bema seat, is not a, a place of, of condemnation for believers. But it is a place where the faithfulness of our lives will be assessed this isn't about our salvation because that's secured through Jesus Christ but this is about how did we live our lives in response to that salvation and it says we must all appear there's no dodging this judgment you can dodge dc for so long and maybe the teachers might even forget that you know you had seven stars next to your name but we don't we can't judge this we can't dodge this judgment we must all before appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so what does that mean for us today, on the daily? Well, it means that our actions, it means that our words and our thoughts and our motives, that everything we do in this body bears significance. Allow that to be something that you think about often. Sometimes we kind of go through, and again, we kind of coast through life and we think that the Sunday school class that we serve in or the master clubs class that we serve in, or the youth activity that we have, whatever it is, that it doesn't really bear much significance. But let me challenge you that life is recorded. And Paul is urging us to live life with an awareness that our earthly lives have eternal implications, and that each choice that you make, and each act of kindness that you perform, and each moment of of patience, and each time you choose to forgive, and each effort you you expend to spread the gospel are all seen and valued by our Lord. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Our life is recorded. And so this is, that was just really a, a quick Kind of overview, and there's obviously many more things we could look at what the Bible says about life, but I mainly want to look at those things, that life has purpose, that life is, is brief, it's not guaranteed, that life is recorded. But now, if you're still there in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, I want us to look at, at verse number 10. And again here, Paul is really on the opposite side of the spectrum that, that you are this morning. Right now you're preparing for ministry, you're preparing hopefully for in some way a life of service to the Lord. But here in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, Paul is on the other side. He's at the end of the road and he knows it. He knows that, he says the time of my departure is at hand. And here Paul is giving some words of advice to Timothy to carry on and carry out the faith to live a life that is going to have eternal significance. And so he says this in verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I want you to uh, uh, see a couple things as we come to the second part of this message. And that is that, number one, because you only have one life, know what you believe. Know what you believe. And and here's what what Paul says here as he he talks to Timothy. He says, when you're thinking about establishing what your life means, sometimes we we think of just the things that we do. We think of the outward actions. But Paul started a little deeper in verse number 10. Because he says to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Before we get into, you know, all the actions and habits of life, Paul alludes to the very core of himself, what he truly believed. And if there's one thing that I can encourage you this morning, and, and not just today, but as you go through college, and as you eventually graduate and move on in life, is that you only have one life to live. And so know what you believe. When you think about it, what we do is really a result of what we believe. And what we believe about God, how we view his word, how we view the principles of scriptures and and the standards that the the word of God lays out for us, is going to have a great effect on our actions and it's going to have a great effect on your future ministry. And because our beliefs ultimately dictate what we do or our behavior, then the substance of our beliefs is paramount. And, and our desires, and, and my desire for my own life, as, as I'm still growing and learning things about myself, is that the Word of God not become a book that you study in college to get a, a letter grade in class, but this truly becomes. The, the foundation and doctrine for everything that you do for the rest of your life. Don't fall into the trap that, that other circles are falling into of watering down doctrine or, or pushing certain things aside to avoid, you know, awkwardness in theology. This is, this is faulty thinking. We can't live a life that is honoring to God unless we ground it on the truth of his word you only live once, know what you believe. Paul warned Timothy that there was gonna come a trend in that culture years ago, and it's a trend that is even more so prominent in our culture today when he says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Paul is telling Timothy there's gonna come a time that that believers aren't gonna wanna hear what the word of God says but he says, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And he's saying, there's going to come a time when Christians are only going to want shallow doctrine. Where they're not going to be, want. they don't want to be faced uh, with the problem of their sins or their lifestyle. And in a culture of nominal Christianity, it, it is imperative for you as, and I'm not saying this to boost your ego, but as, the cream of the crop here in Canada, that you know what you believe in, that you not be carried around with with every wind of doctrine, but that you can can say firmly that this is what the word of God teaches, this is what I'm gonna preach, this is what I'm gonna live. You only have one life, know what you believe. Number two, you only have one life, do what is right. You only have one life, do what is right. Because Paul says, thou hast fully known my doctrine. This is what I believe. But then he says, you've known my manner of life as well. Do what is right. And and what Paul is essentially saying here to Timothy is, I'm not just preaching the truth to others. I'm living the truth in my own life. And he's not saying this in, in a proud way. He's saying, because of God's grace, he's allowed me to stay consistent with the truth That I have taught. And for Paul, the truth was not just academic. It wasn't just head knowledge. The truth was something that changed the way that he lived. And it changed his life and his testimony for Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you you only have one life to live. Do what is right. Don't don't always be looking for ways to kind of push the agenda. If you find yourself always trying to justify your actions and maybe looking for excuses, then maybe there's a a bigger problem there. Learn to do what is right. Learn to do what is right as a ministry leader, as a spouse, as a friend. Just do the right thing. And doing the right thing always, again, begins with knowing the truth of God's word. So you only have one life. Do what is right. Number three, you only have one life. Endure the difficulties for the gospel's sake. This is just one life. It's fleeting, and and one day it will be over. But here's what Paul says, that he experienced long-suffering and charity and patience and persecutions and afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured... But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And may I encourage you, for the sake of the gospel, that there are going to be some times where life might get uncomfortable. That for the sake of the gospel and God's word going forth, that there might be some times where you're going to have to endure some difficulties and make some difficult decisions. But Paul said, for the sake of the gospel, I endured all these things. But he also says that God delivered him from them all as well. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Do what is right and endure for the sake of the gospel. One of the things that challenges me the most as I look at the life of Paul is when I compare it to my own life, how how I allow much, much more little things to stop me from spreading the gospel. I, I, I allow even just the thought of maybe rejection at a door to say maybe I'll just leave this track here instead of actually knocking on this door. I allow maybe the thought of what will my extended family think of me to, to keep silent when I should speak up. But for the sake of the gospel, and because you only have one life, Do what is right and endure the hardships that you need to do. But then he says, lastly, he says this. You only have one life. And he says to Timothy, don't stop serving till the very end. Because he says there uh, in verse 14, but... As he goes through all these things, these persecutions that evil men and seducers are getting worse and worse and being deceived and deceiving others. In spite of all that, in spite of what we're going through in this world, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. If there's one thing I can challenge you with this morning, is just to continue on. Don't stop. You know, you're you're gonna face times in ministry. And, and you're going to face times just in life where it's going to be very tempting to just stop. We've all experienced that before in life. We all had those thoughts. I'm sure where it's just tempting. Maybe there's somewhere else, maybe there's some other way in which I could spend my life. But I encourage you with Paul's words to Timothy. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. You only have one life, and, and I think for, for many of us, and, and my challenge to you is, don't have the mentality that you can get serious sometime in the future, because what we've seen, and sadly what I've seen in some of my friends that I went to college with, is that time to get serious about God never came, and, and, and so I wanna end with this illustration here, really just a story, No one really knows this lady outside of a song that we have in her hymn book. Her name is Frances Ridley Havergal. She was a a gifted individual. She was passionate about the Lord. She loved church. She loved music. She she was talented. She learned both Hebrew and Greek. So we're offering Greek next year to the ladies, but um, she was just, she, she loved to learn. And she was a talented writer and pianist. And she used these gifts for the Lord. And she was always on the lookout to bring others to Jesus Christ. Well, she suffered, sadly, poor health. And at the time in which she lived, you know, the medical advances weren't as far as they are today. And at the young age of 42, God had taken her home. But there's a story from her life where she was just burdened for a group of people. And so she spent five days to, to visit, uh, it, I believe it was called the Addersley House, to visit ten people in this house. And this house consisted of people that were unsaved, but also consisted of people that were Christians, but had kind of gone away from God. And she kind of gave this, this prayer to God as she's there. And she wanted for all those unsaved to be converted but she wanted all those who were already saved and wayward to come back to God. And she spent those five days witnessing to these individuals and and trying to encourage those in the Christian faith. And and, And as she prayed, this was her very prayer. She said, Lord, give me all in this house. And as she prayed that, and after those five days, that's exactly what God did. Because before Francis Haverdell left that house, everyone had received a blessing. Everyone that was unsaved turned to Jesus Christ. Those who were wayward from God gave their lives back over to the Lord. And she said on the last night of her visit that she was just filled with too much excitement and joy to sleep. And, and as she passed most of the night in, in praise and she's just thanking God for what was, what was done over those five days, she penned these words, and, and in her heart, and she, she just kept writing and writing until she finished this song, Ever Only, All For Thee. And, and from those words in that poem that she wrote, we have the hymn that we sing, Take My Life and Let It Be, consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And, and that's really what I want to bring this or how I want to bring this to a close. That, that all of us collectively would say, God, take my life and let it be. Who knows what that's going to look like in the years to come? Who knows what path God has for you? It, you know, sometimes we focus so much on the destination. We focus so much on what the actual occupation is going to look like or what the actual ministry is going to look like. But that's not what God is mostly concerned about. Those are, in God's economy, those are just the details. For God, what he wants from us is a, simply a heart of surrender to say, God, take my life and let it be. consecrated, Set apart for thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. So young people, you only have one life to live. What will you do with this one life. It's very tempting to just kind of spend it on selfish things. And in some ways, that might be, quote-unquote, the easy way. But I guarantee you, at the end of your life, even though that might have been the easy way of life, it is not the eternal, rewarding way of life. And so let me challenge you to maybe do some evaluation. And I understand that you're here, you're, you're spending money to come to classes. You're, you're living far away from home. So I, I understand that there is already a sense of, of a measure of sacrifice that you've made. But, but even in this environment, we can still coast. Even in this environment, we can lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing. Even in this environment, we might not or you might not have still given your lives fully over to The Lord. So let me encourage you with this one life know what you believe. Find your identity, find your doctrine, find your truth and your purpose in the Word of God. Do what is right. Don't allow yourself to be distracted with with everything that Satan is throwing at you. Do what is right. Endure the difficulties for the gospel's sake. Understand that, that our affliction is a light affliction, as Paul says. And any difficulties that we go through, one moment in eternity will make us realize, wow, that was really not that bad. And then just continue on. Stay faithful to the very end. You're at the very beginning. I still feel young, so I feel like I'm at the very beginning still. This is just the start of your journey. Come to the end of your life, not proud of yourself, but proud of what what you allowed God to do in you, and through you. You only have one. Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd use this message. I know even in preparing it, this is something that uh, that is just a reminder that I need it. And I, and I don't know what each college student is going through. I'm not sure maybe the struggles that they might be going through. Or maybe, Lord, they're just at a, a point in their lives where they're just kind of nonchalant, nonchalant with the ministries, with their studies, and just kind of coasting uh, through life right now. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you'd help them kind of reevaluate their lives and, and for them to ask themselves, okay, what are they really living for? What is really that push, that motivation? And Lord, just help us all to remember, professors and students alike, that we only have one shot at this thing we call life. And each day that that goes by is a day that's lived that we never have again. And how we live this life on earth has great eternal implications. And so, Lord, help us to number our days. Help us to be mindful that that each day is a fleeting moment and that we only get to live this life one time. For you.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's Chapel Podcast. We hope it was an encouragement and a help to you. If you have any questions or are interested in knowing more about our college, feel free to contact us through our website, fbccanada.org, or on any of our social media platforms. And as always, may Christ be lifted up, God be glorified, and servants be trained for the master's plan. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day.